Welcome to the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. This week, we look into a Celebrate Recovery step study program titled The Journey Begins. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. Uh, the step study series is a 26-lesson um, deep dive into the steps. We kind of take the steps and and tear them apart and put them under the microscope and take a look at how they can better apply to our hurts, habits, and hangups in life. Um, this is not a replacement for face-to-face meetings, so please go to your local Celebrate Recovery meeting and get involved in a face-to-face step study. Trust me, it will change your life. You will hear me say that over and over throughout this teaching series. So you can go to CelebrateRecovery.org and do a search in your area, and you will find a Celebrate Recovery in your area. They are literally everywhere. There's thousands of those uh, operating in churches all over the country. So uh, make sure you strap in and hold on because this is going to be a wild ride. It's going to get bumpy, it's going to be clumsy, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that we deal with as we look inside the mirror of God's Word and our behavior. So you do not want to miss a second of this teaching series. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since... I became a, a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of um, you know the church scene. You know things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about, and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, We'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install Um, Maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients and, um, I think it'll give you some some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. And we're back. Today, we we start the fourth and final book of our uh, step study series here. This book is entitled Growing in Christ While Helping Others. Um, boy, it's been quite the journey 
you know, through this. This is a such a a, a, a labor of love, this program, um, because of its length and the commitment that it takes to get through a step study. Um, it is pretty much <laughs> eating up, you know, most of my season three here on the podcast. I have so many other things, you know, uh, on the back burner waiting to get through this step study series that I want to podcast about and talk about and, you know, that sort of thing. And we are absolutely um, <clears throat> knee deep in summer now. And uh, my concert schedule with CLP Audio is bonkers. And uh, we're just kind of holding on for the ride right now. Um, but we're going to try to push through this uh, fourth and final book of the Step Study series uh, over the next, you know, uh, four or five weeks and get this thing knocked out. And then I am going to move on with the second half of season three with um, a whole bunch of other stuff that's on my heart that uh, I am looking forward to sharing with you guys. So please continue to pray for me and that uh, I practice some really good time management skills <laughs> over the next, you know, four to six weeks and get this thing uh, uh, knocked out. The, um, the last book here is sort of, um, and you'll probably, well, I know you'll hear this in some of these lessons in, in this book. These, some of these lessons are a bit shorter. Uh, we call these the maintenance steps, you know, uh, because, boy, we've really done a lot of work, haven't we, ladies and gentlemen? You know, this this, this program <clears throat> and the 26 lessons that uh, it takes to, you know, teach this program is a great example of how our recovery is a marathon and not a sprint. You know, it takes slow, consistent effort. Uh, to work our recovery and to uh, stay plugged in to, uh, you know, connecting with others in our local communities and our local Celebrate Recovery meetings and uh, things like that, as well as, um, you know, staying in God's Word every day, you know, and trying to stay connected to a healthy prayer life and a uh, healthy life inside of um, the Celebrate Recovery program and God's word. So, Peter Patter, let's get at her. Let's uh, shoot right into lesson 19 here. Uh, this one's titled Crossroads. We are in principle seven and step 10 right now. Um, there's a little disclaimer um, to kind of preempt this lesson uh, from the Celebrate Recovery materials here. It says, please note that through step 10 and principle seven, though step 10 and principle seven, differ somewhat in their focus, both point toward the same result, the character and image of Christ in our daily life. This chapter will emphasize the step more than the principle, but in no way do we intend to discount the many benefits of daily living, principle seven. So principle seven says, reserve a daily, a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Uh, I love that principle because uh, the second half of it is in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. The more um, we stay in God's word, the more, the closer we walk with him, the easier it is to walk in his will for our life and have his power of the Holy Spirit working in our day-to-day -day life. Step 10, 
We continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Uh, and then our supporting scripture is 1 Corinthians 10:12. So if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Um, a lot, the over overlining theme in uh, these last, you know, six, seven lessons really is not getting too overconfident in your, in your recovery, you know, uh, because it's real easy to experience a whole bunch of uh, life-changing freedom. And we're going to list that here in just a second in the opening paragraph in the leader's guide. Um, we've done a lot of work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, we have done a lot of work up to this point in the program. Um, if you're still following along and you're still working this stuff in your personal life, kudos to you, man. This this program, the step study program is not for sissies, you know. <clears throat> so because of all those things, we may feel pretty confident and we may feel like, man, I am a completely different person now than what I was when I first started this program. Um, these next you know, six or seven lessons are really going to kind of drive home the idea that it's it's still not okay to just get comfortable and complacent because um, it's always when we feel like we're at the mountaintop that the enemy comes for us and starts jerking us uh, out, of, out of whack. So with that being said, let's dive into, I have a bunch of notes from the leader's guide on this one. Um, even though it's a short little two or three page lesson in a small book, uh, there's there's a bunch of stuff to talk about here. So, uh, you have arrived at a very important junction. You have traveled a long road which required facing your denial, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, taking an honest look at your life, listening, confessing, and sharing all your wrongdoing, being humble enough to allow God to make major changes in you, become willing to forgive or make amends, uh, offer your forgiveness to those that you have hurt, making amends for all the harm that you have caused to others. Wow, that's quite a journey. Man, I, that really is a mouthful, isn't it? You know, but that pretty much describes the last 18 lessons of this program. Um, not too long ago, most of us would have said that it was, imp it was impossible to, you know, do this journey. Uh, that we could never have changed or grown so much and that we could never have done the work that the first six principles uh, asked of us. And they would have been right. You know, we could never have made it through by ourselves on our own power. In fact, the only reason we made it um, this far is because we made a decision way back in principle three to turn our lives and wills over to the care of God. And that's, man, I, I cannot agree with that statement more. Um, and I think it all plays into the baby steps mentality of working your recovery. You know, it really plays into being focused on your next step instead of the Mount Everest you have to climb in our recovery. Because that's usually the thing that uh, I have to work through most with new guys coming into the program is that they They've dug themselves into a pretty deep hole on a variety of levels, and all they can see is the Mount Everest of things that need to take place and need to change in order for them to get to a place where they feel like they have some level of normalcy. Um, that is a huge mistake to get you know, focused on, on that. 
what you need to focus on is just your next right decision and staying connected with your accountability team and your sponsor and your Celebrate Recovery family, um, staying connected with you know the, the principles of the program, working the program, and just your next step. If you do that, then you will one step at a time walk your way out of uh, whatever pit you may have dug yourself into. You know, for some guys, it is uh, their marriage is on the rocks because of you know pornography addiction or some kind of sex-related thing. Uh, for others, it's chemical addiction that has destroyed you know their life and their family, and they've stolen from everyone they ever loved, and you know just made a disaster of their their parenting you know, um, their parenting, you know, life, it's, it was just seen so much trauma, you know, through the process of recovery. But, you know, God is really good at taking what was meant for evil and using it for good. You know, he's very good at restoring all the things that, you know, the locust has stolen from us over the years. And when I say locust, I mean, our addiction and compulsive behaviors are, bad decisions, failures, you know, all that kind of stuff. It seems like a daunting task and seems like it's never going to, you know, get where you really want it to be because everyone wants a quick fix, everybody. I've never met anyone in recovery that didn't want an overnight sensation or, you know, some kind of quick fix and, you know, get on with their life. But the reality of it is, is you didn't get in the situation you're in overnight and you're not going to get out of it overnight. It is a process. It takes time to, you know, work all this stuff out in your life and get your life better aligning with your desires of what you would like your life to be. So, um, you know, slow down, be patient, and, you know, one step at a time, and we all get there together. So think about it. We're in the little book now. Um, If you live as I tell you to, dot, 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 you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. That was Jesus talking in John 8.32. By working the principles and following Christ's direction, the foundation of your life has been rebuilt. You will, and at the very least, you have rebuilt a foundation by which your life can now stand on. Um, You will undoubtedly see major changes in your life, if you haven't already. Um, But now, you're at a crossroads of your recovery. First uh, Corinthians ten twelve warns us. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Steps ten through twelve, principles seven and eight, are where we live out our recoveries for the rest of our time here on earth. They are much more than maintenance steps, as some have referred to them. These are the how I want to live the rest of my life steps and principles. As we begin to work step 10, we will see that it is made up of three key parts, each one corresponding to the acrostic of this lesson 10. So the acrostic is the word 10. Uh, The first letter is T. Take time to do a daily inventory. The what we continue to take a personal inventory. Let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Lamentations 340. Uh, my little note on that section is step outside your life and look in. What do you see? You know, uh, inventory was just not for step four. You know, inventory is a daily thing. You know, um, at the very least, 
a seasonal thing. You know, I will celebrate 10 years in recovery uh, this September in 2022. And um, I am right now, I was just thinking the other day, I need to, you know, set down and journal out a, uh, a inventory. I did do an inventory during step four earlier this year as we were teaching this series. Um, but I'm, I'm ready for just kind of a life check. And in my, in my journal, uh, I have several entries. I usually just put a date and then inventory. And I just kind of talk about where I am in my life at that stage of the game. You know, it usually happens three or four times a year. Um, sometimes less, sometimes more, depending on what's going on in my life. And, um, those are great, you know, um, like in a video game, a save point when you reach a check mark or a checkpoint where you know that when you come back to the game, you can start there again. That's kind of how I view those those markers of um, you know inventory. I take a daily inventory in my mind every single day. You know, when I I lay down at night and pray, or throughout the day when I'm praying. You know, I'm always checking my behavior. I'm always checking my motives behind things. It just has become so much a part of who I am and part of my DNA that um, I don't I don't really just stop and take and actually write it down. Um, I journaled every day for many, many years in this program. Now I probably journal a couple times a month. Um, you know, sometimes, depending on what I'm going through, I journal every single day, even now. You know, it just depends on what's on my plate. Um, this time of year when I'm crazy busy and I'm distracted with all of the CLP audio craziness, um, then I don't I don't really feel the need because I'm distracted. You know, I'm busy. I'm, I'm doing other stuff. It's usually in the winter months, especially around, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, January and February, which is... January and February are my two slowest months in the production business. Um, you know, that's when I have a lot of idle time, you know, and it's in those months that um, I will podcast a lot. I'll do a lot of writing. I'll be posting a lot of writing. Um, I just got approached today, actually, to uh, start sending some writing to a, um, a Samson Society group down in Mississippi. Uh, they want me to send in, you know, weekly or monthly, whatever I feel comfortable with sending them, um, you know, some blog posts and writing and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I'm, I try to stay super active. All that stuff is usually therapeutic for me. All that stuff is usually, it's part of my daily inventory. It's part of my inventory process. Um, I love to write, you know, and I love to sit down and there's something about, you know, writing out what's going on in my life at this very moment, it always brings things to the surface that I didn't realize was there. It's an amazing exercise. It really is. You know, you think you really got a, a pretty good bearing on what's going on in your life. Well, sit down and actually start writing out what's going on in your life and how you feel right now, how you feel about your family, how you feel about, you know, your walk with God, how you feel about your, with your relationship with, with Christ, how you feel about your career, you know, your relationship with the people you work with, um, relationship with your friends outside the church, you know, write down your feelings and all the things that you, you know, you have kind of going on in your, in your life. And I will guarantee you things will bubble to the surface that you, you didn't realize was there. And the cool thing is, is I can look back over the last 10 years of those, you know, seasonal markers of inventories where I'm just talking about how I feel. 
and it's it's a track record of growth. It's a track. It's a building block of faith, you know, because I can go back and read some of that stuff, and I'm like, yeah, man, I I, I totally remember when I wrote that, and I remember what state of mind I was in. I remember the trials and the tribulations I was going through at the time. Um, and it's a testament to how God got me through that stuff. And it's a testament to, you know, how, because I just put one foot in front of the other, you know, in the hard times through divorce, you know, and things like that, um, through my own, you know, failures and screw ups through trying to work out stuff, you know, as my kids are maturing in their, you know, middle to late twenties and working through stuff with those guys, it's it's just been focused on the next right decision. I mean, this program has saved my life a thousand times over because of the simple principles here. You know, don't focus on that Mount Everest craziness you got to get through to get where you want to go. Focus on your next step. You know, what what is my next right decision, and and what what is in front of me that I can do and I can you know move forward with. And um, yeah. You know, that's all part of my inventory process, all that stuff. I know that was a lot, but that's just kind of how it looks in my life, you know, 10 years in. You know, it. You know, I, I love it. It has, like I said, it saved me a thousand times over. The next letter is E, evaluate the good and bad parts of your day. Um, the why, dot, dot, dot. And when we were wrong, you know, is, is the thing it has here. And then First John 1, 8 through 10, if we say that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. We are lying and calling God a liar, for he says we have sinned. Now, that's a powerful scripture, guys. That really is. You know, that is a powerful scripture. And part of this inventory process, your daily inventory, your maintenance inventory, is, you know, you should by now have learned to be brutally honest with yourself and you should by now have at least one to three people in your life that you have given permission to kind of look you in the eye and say dude you're screwing up you know um it's weird because some of the people that i have counseled in in recovery they go one of two directions they're either people who are super hard on themselves which is me i'm that guy um, no one will ever be as hard on me as what I am on me, you know, and I constantly have to work to give myself a break and show myself grace. Um, and then there's the other side of the coin with people who are, are still very much battling that self-centered, self-righteous mindset. They feel like they need to be the most important person in the room. They feel like their opinions need to be heard about everything. And they sometimes think a little more highly of themselves than they actually are. That's okay. You know, those, those people are part of the recovery process. You know, all of us have been there to some degree or another. It's not just, I'm not like just, you know, you know, specifically pointing out people who are like that as being bad people. No, I'm just saying that's the two sides of it. You know, even in step four, when we're going through inventory, there are those who, you know, their first time through inventory, man, they're writing like novels of stuff that they, they need to work on and things that they know about themselves. And then there are other people who are just genuinely blinded 
by, of the effects of their behavior because they've been so self-focused for so long in their life. They can't see the toxic results of some of their behavior and how that affected the people around them. Or if they do see it, they're in denial about accepting responsibility for it. Because some of those people are really, they really struggle with being seen as being in any kind of wrong or being seen as just not having it together. And the sooner you realize and you accept the idea that none of us have to have it together, <laughs> then the, the sooner you're going to find a whole bunch of comfort and peace and harmony, you know, in your recovery process. So you got to look at the good and the bad. You know, we always keep our inventories balanced that way. We give ourselves credit where credit's due, but we also hold ourselves accountable when we screw up and we try to be people who are quick to confess our, our screw ups and trying to make amends and try to get things back on track. I just last night, just last night, had to have a conversation with a guy that I work with and um, it was uncomfortable because I had been fed not to you know, get into a long, drawn-out rabbit hole about the situation. I had been fed a whole bunch of misleading information and really just blatant lies about this guy. And um, he was kind of hopping around a couple bands at the time. Um, most of my clients you know, come to me regularly for music business advice. It's not just about production stuff with me because I've been on both sides of the microphone. Um, and the band he's playing in now, those guys had come to me two years ago or probably three years ago and asked me about this guy and what I thought of him. And I did not give the guy a, a recommendation because of the information that I had about him from someone who ended up being the real problem, you know. And I felt really bad about that, you know. I don't like having any kind of, you know, negative junk. You know, the Bible says not to give the enemy a foothold in any part of our life, you know. And it clearly says if, if you have something against a brother, you should go to them and you should try and, and resolve that. This guy had no idea that any of those conversations had happened. Now, I didn't talk smack about the guy. It wasn't like all that. But... It, I did not give the guy a, a good, healthy recommendation like I probably should have. And really because I just didn't take the time to discover who he was on my own. I was taking someone else's word on his character. And that is a serious rookie mistake and uh, just basic relationship 101, you know. And you know what? <laughs> I'm flawed too. You know, I'm the guy who's still trying to figure some of this stuff out in my own and get it working in my life. And I just really felt bad about how all that played out. Again, he didn't know anything about this. So at the end of the gig, I pulled him aside. It was just him and I. And I said, hey, man, I've been wanting to talk to you about something the last couple of times we've worked together, and I need to get something off my chest. And uh, I just kind of spilled my guts about it. You know, like, look, dude, you know, I did, did not, you know, give you a uh, positive word of recommendation with these guys. They ended up hiring him, you know, outside my opinion and thank God for it. I've never been so happy to be wrong. I'll put it that way. Um, cause the guy in, ended up being like a totally swell guy. Like he's a totally cool dude, man. And a great musician and just a wonderful person, him and his wife, both, you know, all the way around. And, um, you know, that was just kind of shoved in my face every time I seen the guy. And I'm like, boy, have I missed it on this one. 
So I could have kept my mouth shut and never said anything to the guy. And he would have never been the wiser, you know, he would have never known, but it was bothering me, you know, and I felt like he deserved, uh, you know, I always want to have an honest relationship with the people around me. And, you know, he was very receptive to my apology and all that totally got it. We had a whole conversation about the guy that had painted him out to be, you know, uh, a horrible person. Um, and you know, that was a whole nother conversation, honestly, you know, that went on for some time because the guy that was feeding me the information turned out to be a real doofus. So it is what it is. You know what? But that's me working this program in my life. You know, that's me saying, Hey, you know what? I'm not feeling groovy about, you know, how some of this stuff played out and some of the things I said about you behind your back. I told him that. And I told him the exact things that I said to those I didn't hold anything back, man. If you're going to come clean, come clean, you know? And uh, like I said, it wasn't anything super horrible, but I just felt bad about it. And I'm like, dude, I feel like you deserve better than that from me, you know? And uh, that's just not how I roll, man. You know, I, I, I'm not somebody who is like that. I value my integrity above everything else. And, um, you know, my reputation in the music business reflects that. So, yeah, that's me dealing with the bad along with the good. You know, uh, I get in the habit of looking at myself first before I start accusing others. And that was a situation where I did not do that. You know, and I needed to own it, man. I just did, you know, and I feel a thousand percent better. I think it built a tighter relationship between him and I. You know, I think it definitely showed him my heart, you know, on a personal level, which is something him and I really hadn't had a chance to really connect that way. It was mostly professional. Um, and I enjoy making those connections. He is a believer, him and his wife both, you know. So, I mean, um, you know, we definitely have that connection. I think he really heard my heart about where I was coming from with it. And we're stronger now because of it. You know, um, 12, 15 years ago, I probably would have never said anything about it. I probably would have just let it go and, you know, let sleeping dogs lie and it is whatever it is, you know, and would have had some self-centered pride reason why I didn't need to make amends with him because, you know what, maybe he is a jerk after all, you know. Instead of playing all those stupid games, you know, I've learned to just work the program. I've learned to just be real and be genuine with, with people and say, hey, look, you know, I missed the mark, dude. I just really did. I missed the mark, and I'm really sorry about that. And I hope moving forward you understand that, you know, I got your back, and I totally, you know, love who you and your wife are and love what you guys are doing. So the next letter is N, need to admit our wrongs promptly. Boy, isn't that go right along with the story that we were just talking about? Confession equals healing, and that's exactly what happened last night. You know, my confession to him, my coming clean with him created a level of healing. I, mean, I would guess in my mind, maybe the other band members had told him at one point that I didn't endorse him when they were looking to hire him. Um, so maybe he knew and just didn't want to say anything, you know, and maybe if he did know and me coming to him and initiating that conversation, I'm sure healed that, that wound. You know, I hate it when someone makes a quick judgment on me, you know. Why, why are we such hypocrites sometimes? You know, why are, why are we the people who, you know, demand grace and mercy for our wrongdoings, but then don't display and practice grace and mercy toward others, you know, at the same level? I'll leave you with that to think about for a second. 
So number three, the need to admit our wrongs promptly is the then what? And the then what is promptly admit it. Uh, Matthew five twenty three through 24 says, uh, This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these manners. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. And that's exactly the scenario that happened last night was, you know, I, I had a check in my spirit about our relationship and you know, sort of thing. And I needed to get, you know, the water cleared up under that bridge. And, uh, instead of walking around muddy, murky water. And because of that, you know, I was able to come to God, you know, on the way home, I had some, you know, some cool prayer time with the Lord and, and was like, man, I'm really glad that we got this, got that worked out. And I'm really glad that, you know, we were able to move forward from that. So practice keeping a daily journal for one week. Uh, write out your daily inventory, the good and the bad. Look for negative patterns, issues that you are repeatedly writing down and having to promptly make amends for. Share them with a sponsor or accountability partner and set up an action plan. For, yeah, and set up an action plan for you with God's help and power uh, to overcome them. And then in the leader's guide, I have a whole boatload of notes, but I'm, I'm already going long, so I'm not going to dive into a whole bunch of this stuff. But some of the questions that uh, they outline that you can ask yourself um, during this seven-day journaling challenge is, uh, what good did I do today? And what areas did I blow it today? Did I do or say anything that hurt anyone today? That's a big one. Do I owe an amends to anyone? What did I learn from my actions today? You know, those are all questions that you can ask yourself uh, to kind of ignite the writing juices as you as you try to inventory uh, for the next seven days. I am, uh, or try to journal for the next seven days. I am someone who advocates journaling all the time. I know not everyone is a writer. You know, and that's okay. You know, we, we all have different gifts. We all bring different things to the table. Um, but I would encourage you to at least get into some sort of habit of doing this. You know, um, there's times where I sat down and like, I just need to like write my feelings out right now. And, and I got 10 minutes to do it. And I'm still sitting there two hours later writing. You know, I'm still sitting there sometimes crying, you know, sometimes working out my feelings and my emotions. Uh, about what's going on with things. One thing that I have learned and probably is one of the biggest changes that has happened in my life since I've been in Celebrate Recovery is I allow myself to feel pain and suffering because God uses that pain and suffering to teach us and to mold us and to grow us. Growth is rarely compatible with comfort. Let me say that again. Growth is rarely compatible with comfort. Usually in the times of your life that you will grow the most are the times of your life that are the most uncomfortable. You know, um, I used to be a guy that would bottle up my feelings and wouldn't allow myself to cry, wouldn't allow myself to, you know, you know go deep into feeling things. Um, we learned in earlier lessons in the program here that if you can't feel it, God can't heal it. 
Well, man, I mean, when I got into recovery, God just ripped the, you know, ripped the mask right off of me that way. And now I'm like a big sissy baby. You know, when it comes to that sort of stuff, I, I cry over everything now. You know, I'm very emotional and very sensitive um, spiritually to, especially when other people are hurting or people that I know and love or are struggling. You know, I really carry those burdens, you know, and um, I, I just allow myself to even feel the disappointment. I did some some journaling yesterday that I was sharing with my Samson brothers, and um, it was just about me fighting temptation, you know, and trying to stay the course, you know, and trying to not let my frustration with where I am romantically in life you know, dictate behavior that I don't want to, you know, entertain in my life. And through that, through just the idea of setting down and writing it out, you know, and setting down and working out the emotions of all that stuff, um, it pulled me completely out of that, that, that spirit of temptation. You know, I was able to really get to the core things that I was feeling instead of acting out in a way that brings toxic behavior in my life to try and you get a quick fix to feel better because I mean, let's admit it that, that that's what this whole addiction thing is all about. You know, we're feeling rejected or we're feeling unloved or we're feeling like we don't matter, you know, and those are hard emotions to work through and emotional maturity, you know, is not an easy process, you know, but people who will, instead of just running to whatever quick fix they do for some people, it's anger, you know, or control or, you know, I grew up in a house with a father who would, you know, when he was dealing with a lot of stress and stuff like that, he would pick, he would pick at the people in the family, my mom, one of us kids, you know, and, um, yeah, it's not easy to talk about, but he would, uh, he would just, you know, find a reason to be mad at you. If he had a hard day at work and would come home and just be bitter you know, about the the course his life was on because he, he was very unhappy with a lot of the things that he had to do to make a living and support his family. Um, you know, he kind of took that out on us, you know, and um, I can, I'm not judging the guy because I've done the exact same thing with my family, you know, uh, dysfunctional parents raise dysfunctional kids, you know, and there were times where, you know, I was irritable and I was feeling bitter and I would pick a fight with one of the kids or, you know, pick a fight with my wife or whatever because you know, I just wanted to argue because I was uncomfortable and I wanted everybody else to be uncomfortable. You know, that's not easy to admit and that's not easy to talk about, but it's the truth, you know, and it's it's what, you know, lives inside of our toxic behavior. It's why we work this program. It's why we're part of a recovery program is because we're trying to fix that junk and we're trying not to be that person anymore. So now I said all that to say this. So now, you know, I have the program and its principles so deeply ingrained in my DNA that now I sit down and I start journaling. I start talking about how I feel. And what I found was... <clears throat> What I really wanted was someone to love me. What I really wanted was someone to you know, make me feel special and adore me, 
you know, and uh, the same way we all want to feel loved and adored and accepted and validated and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going through a season of my life where that's just not part of the equation. It's just not, you know, and uh, I know that won't be like that forever, but that's where it is right now. And I have to navigate through that process in a healthy way. Part of that healthy way is journaling, you know, and allowing myself to feel the pain of that, to feel the sorrow of loneliness, you know, and things like that. Um, I'm not ashamed of any of that stuff. It's what makes me human. It's what makes me who I am, you know. It it gives me a a life (laughs) and breath in my lungs and, you know, feeling your emotions and feeling, you know, the roller coaster of life is a good thing. That means you're living life. When you're shoving all that stuff down inside of you and you're drinking it away or drugging it away or, you know, shoving the next boyfriend or girlfriend into that hole or your anger issues or control issues or codependency issues, when you're using all that toxic stuff to feel better, you're not really living life. You're just, you know, like a bull in a china shop, which you don't break your poop on, you know, um, And I'm just 100% done with that stuff in my life, man, at least to the best of my ability. I'm not sitting here trying to act like that I'm above any kind of reproach or any kind of, you know, failure. Because believe me, you follow me around, you'll see failure. You know, I don't have it all together. But I got it more together now, 10 years in, than what I've ever had it together, you know. And I'm going to give myself credit for that, even if no one else sees that, even if no one else validates me that way. I don't need their validation. I can look through 10 years of my journal and see progress. You know, I can look at all those daily inventory and all those seasonal inventory entries and see progress in my life and see the stability has, that has, you know, set up shop in my life. And it's about progress, not perfection. So, I mean, I'm, I don't have to be validated by everyone around me anymore, you know, um, almost to the point to where it... <laughs> It creates other issues with isolation, you know, because, you know, isolation is the enemy of sobriety. Connection is really at the foundation of sobriety. But, you know, sometimes I'm just so secure in where I am and what I've come through and who I am now that I don't I don't feel like I need to be deeply connected to someone else to survive anymore. And that's not, that's not healthy. I'm not saying that's a good thing because it's something I definitely need to work on. Um, because I'm in a stage in my life and have been for some time where I need to be plugged into the program uh, consistently so I can be giving back because that's what these lessons we are working through right now is all about. It's about giving back. It's about paying it forward, you know, and, you know, bringing someone else. Once you finish this step study, you know, program, you are now qualified to be a sponsor. You know, um, I think, when I moved to Harrisonburg, I think I'd already been in Celebrate Recovery five or six years or something, and uh, ended up running that program down there and was sponsoring five or six guys. I sponsored most of the men in that program down there. Um, you know, taught most of those guys uh, this step study program, some of them multiple times. You know, so that's part of who I am, you know, and that's where I, that's the biggest reason why I need to stay connected. Um, 
The Samson Society program has made it so easy to stay connected and convenient because it operates over Zoom, but that's no replacement for a face-to-face meeting with my Celebrate Recovery brothers and sisters and, you know, trying to make that stuff happen. So, yeah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, as always, we just thank you for your mercy and your grace in our life, Lord God. We thank you for the the Celebrate Recovery Step Study Program, Lord. We thank you for um, the people that you sent into our life to challenge us and to help us, Lord God, to help us be, you know, a better version of ourselves, Lord God. Um, Lord, thank you for the people who put up with our crap along the way, who put up with our arrogant egos and our know-it-all mentalities and, you know, just our junk. Um, and Lord, I just, I pray that you, you bless those people, Lord. And I pray that you allow us to be the person stepping across someone else's path and that you bring people into our life, Lord, that we can sow into and that we can pay it forward into their lives, Lord God. Um, I love you so much, and I just thank you, you know, for putting up with me and for, you know, living inside my heart, you know, and being that check in my spirit when I know I need to make amends with someone that I've wronged. Um, Lord, help me to stay focused on my next step and not on the mountains that are in front of me that I have to climb, but just my next right decision, Lord God, and help me to stay focused on you know, the things that are important in my life, Lord God. I pray for everyone that is listening to this podcast, Lord. I pray that you reach into their life, Lord, and that you heal them physically, that you heal them, you know, psychologically and emotionally, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you reach into their life and you speak to them, Lord God, that you give them the courage to open up to someone else, Lord. You give them the courage to start a life of transparency and genuine living, Lord. Um, I pray that you guide them to groups and to people um, that will help promote their, their recovery journey. We pray all these things in the wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen. If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministries should look like in today's world. God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. 
I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages. Not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ears upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, he hears our prayers. And we need his constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that he uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh and that his truth will turn those hearts toward his eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh